0: Have you ever felt that creeping sense that you were being watched? That slight chill down your spine, the sudden rush of adrenaline, and your heart racing to either fight or run? For some, these feelings aren't just a figment of their imagination, but a direct result of stalking. In the pre-social media world, stalking was much more physical victims of stalking could experience notes left on their door, strange gifts left in public spaces, threatening phone calls, and even physical altercations with the stalker themselves. But with the advent of social media, stalking can now be more behind the scenes because identities can be manufactured and the computer screen can be a great shield to hide behind. While this podcast was inspired by the many unanswered questions associated with the Jody Hussentrud missing person case, it also aims to explore theories that surfaced throughout the three decades of investigation. One of those was that Jodi may have had a stalker who ultimately took action and kidnapped her. Today, we are looking at the nature of stalking. What it is? Why it happens, and how high-profile women in media have dealt with stalking. Welcome to Lost and Found. We don't know anything
1: about anything actually in this case. There's very little that is actually known about the Jody Hoosentry disappearance.
2: Oh, the flowers and the teddy bears and the love notes didn't work, so I go to the next level and I'm going to start to threaten them, hurt them, and that will make them do what I want them to.
3: I just feel like it's part of the job. You need to know that there are a lot of people who know you and you have to be on your guard.
0: From B-Runner Studios and KBVU 97.5 The Edge,
1: Because of what they see on TV and everything gets solved in an hour, they have unrealistic expectations of what an actual person, an actual licensed tribe investigator can do.
0: This is Lost and Found. I'm your host, Tyler Bruner. Stalking a course of conduct directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to feel fear, as defined by the U.S. Department of Justice. In 2012, around 3.3 million individuals aged 18 or older were victims of stalking. In that same survey, 28.4% said they experienced unwanted letters and emails. 26.1% experienced following or spying by their stalkers and 24.1% experienced those stalkers showing up at places. To make matters worse, the National Criminal Justice Reference Service, the NCJRS, found that in 2018, 68% of the women they surveyed noted their stalkers had threatened to cause physical harm to them. But why do these individuals do this? Is it a mental illness or something more? find this puzzling answer, I turn to someone who works alongside stalking victims to get them the help they need.
1: It is terrifying and it it becomes a form of terror. And then on the other side of it, what I find really interesting is this high level addiction psychologically from the stalker. How they just need this contact over and over and over again, and it becomes very pathological.
0: Friends, this is Pamela Simcock.
1: So my name is Pamela Lassiter Simcock. I'm the founder and president of a research institute called the Institute for the Prevention of Relationship Violence. And what we focus on is. Um, Supporting through advocacy victims of child abuse, gang violence, domestic violence, and elder abuse. and, And primarily, though, on preventing that from happening. So in that line of work, I deal with all forms of violence, including stalking.
0: Pamela has been helping victims of stalking to find justice for their unjustifiable fear they have felt. You heard her voice at the start of this episode, but she has plenty more to say on this issue of stalking.
1: They all have this pathological need for contact with their victims that they're stalking. But the motive behind that is sometimes very different. So you might have one female who's stalking an ex-boyfriend because she just can't let go, right? She has this unhealthy, addictive, like, need to um, the ex-boyfriend. And her behavior is causing, you know, the net effect is it causes all kinds of fear and chaos. And like I said, terror on the other end. That's a much different profile with a stalker from somebody who, um, who is, you know, looking for opportunities to physically terrorize everything from physical assault um, all the way to uh, sexual assault and rape. So, you know, what I find with stalkers when I work with them is they all have this kind of addictive need, but what's beneath that addictive need can be very different.
0: When it comes to the legal aspect of stalking, many don't understand what does exist. To my surprise, the NCJRS found a little over half the states in the U.S. require there be two or more different instances of stalking before an investigation can be launched or before police can talk to an alleged stalker. In addition, 53% of states require that the behavior of the stalker be enough to make a reasonable person feel fear which is a difficult thing to gauge. And only 37% of states have a stalking-specific protection order. Pamela, aware of the improvements this country has made, also acknowledges the work we have yet to do.
1: Exactly. There's all, I mean, I truly believe this. I'm, I don't, don't want to step up on it so much, but I think we have the greatest criminal justice system in the world. But it's still it's very slow and it's very flawed. And people... You know, that's always the goal: is to work towards criminal justice first, with law enforcement, and later with prosecution. But between then and there, people have to be responsible for their own safety.
0: While the improvements are a great sign for the future, Pamela commented on where we need to improve the most.
1: This is this is very nebulous what I'm about to say, but the other thing we need is less stigma attached to victimization for these crimes, because people are. So afraid, rightly so, to come forward. They're afraid to come forward because they won't be believed. They're afraid to come forward because if it enters criminal justice, they're going to be attacked in the system. I mean, that's real. We still have so much work to do in this country on how victims, especially of relationship violence oriented crimes, which certainly includes stalking, are stigmatized.
0: Even though states can choose what requirements get attention, There's no doubt we have made big improvements in stalking laws. Yet, where do we go from here? A better question is where did this all begin? And how did stalking laws become more and more strict? Well, it's because, in part, of this amazing woman.
2: It's to uh, gain power and control over that individual, so they'll do what the stalker wants them to do. And if they can't get that power and control, then it escalates and it can wind up with the death of someone.
0: Friends, this is Rhonda Saunders. Uh, My name is Rhonda Saunders.
2: I've been a deputy district attorney for going on 35 years, Um, semi-retired. I started the first stalking unit within the LA district attorney's office, helped to write the stalking law here in California.
0: Rhonda prosecuted the first ever stalking case in the state of California and has since been a pioneer of stalking laws and ethics. She has written and rewritten the stalking laws in California to be stricter with each revision and more protective and helpful for stalking victims. In her book, Whisper of Fear, she outlined the various cases she has taken on during her time as a prosecutor. One example was.
2: And so this poor woman was tortured, the victim, for over a year with her stalker uh, showing up at her office trying to get the victim fired, screaming, yelling at her, uh, trying to distance her from all of her thre- uh, friends by threatening them, uh, showing up wherever the victim was, at a restaurant or at a movie theater, uh, and then finally they found that the stalker had been living under the victim's house for approximately six months, listening into everything that was going on. Uh, that's why she was able to know where the victim was going, had been, what friends she had. She had actually broken into the victim's house and stolen a list of the victim's friends and business associates. And meeting this woman, I mean, her life was, it was horrible.
0: As we said before, Social media has made it so much more accessible for stalkers to stay in touch with their victims. We saw some form of stalking in Jodi's case, in the form of a truck of some color following her, and her calling the police as a precaution. Besides a few creepy voicemails and that one incident, Jodi didn't feel stalked. As an expert in this specific crime, Rhonda unveiled the one aspect that many people are surprised to hear when it comes to stalking cases. That in most of the jurisdictions, there does not have to be a
2: direct threat such as, I am going to kill you, I am going to rape you. It can be an indirect threat by this pattern of conduct where they tell the person, leave me alone. They've gotten a restraining order, putting the person on notice, I don't want you near me. They hang up if every time the person calls. They don't respond to emails or tweets, and the person continuously harasses
0: them. Now, let's go one step further. How do stalkers become obsessed with news anchors?
2: You have a stalker who sees the person on TV every night. Uh, They believe that there's a relationship. They believe sometimes that this news anchor is talking to them specifically through the TV set, you have the sense of anger when uh, the stalker starts sending letters or starts showing up and gets rejected. They don't get a response, and then they get angry. So the love turns to rage, fury, anger. And this is true of most stalkers. You have to keep in mind this is not about, oh, I love this person, that's why I killed him or her. It has a lot more to do with the narcissism within the stalker themselves.
0: With all of this new information in mind, we need to understand that Jody was taken in 1995. Well before the internet or social media was as mainstream as it is today. Stalkers back then had to physically drop off letters, follow their victims, and do much more than simply check their social media. As we have heard, stalkers are obsessive, and many times, it's less about love and more about control. So, how do female news anchors today deal with stalkers?
3: I think in today's society, if you're on television, people feel you're in their house. They know you. I do feel like I get weekly messages about something that somebody feels like they know me. Um, But nothing that I've been creeped out by. I just feel like it's part of the job. You need to know that there are a lot of people who know you and you have to be on
0: your guard. Friends, this is Jerry Ann Ritter.
3: My name is Jerry Ann Ritter, and I am the morning and weekday meteorologist at the NBC station in Des Moines, WHO TV.
0: Jerry Ann has been in the news broadcasting field for 20 years and has her fair share of creepy encounters with stalkers. She outlined a story in her career where she truly felt stalked.
3: My scariest situation was early on, and this probably was back in 2004, and this person saw I was live on TV at a location, at a town, and they showed up at the town, and that was the first time that I was a little weirded out, and I think the next week they showed up at the television station, but you know what, I I do believe we did call the police, but they went away.
0: She also pointed out one interesting aspect about her younger co-workers and how they might unknowingly perpetuate a stalker to keep sending messages.
3: I handle things very differently, I notice, than the younger uh, hires do, and I just usually do not respond. Um, where some of the new people will respond, and that usually leads them to more messages, and then the police get involved and they go to the manager.
0: As states continue to refine and create stricter stalking laws, one aspect will persist, the stalker. No matter how technologically advanced we become, the simplest way we can eliminate stalking is being aware of our surroundings and ourselves. Pamela and Rhonda both spoke on what victims of stalking should do when they know or feel they are being stalked.
1: So, first of all, start documenting the behavior. So, you can create a very simple stocking journal. Anybody can do this for a friend or family member who's facing this. What you want to include in it is the date, the time, what happened, um, any documentation of what happened, and anyone who can verify or was witness to what happened. So, it's just that simple. And you start documenting this behavior. So, you know, at 3 p.m., I left work. And a blue, you know, uh, Toyota truck or whatever, drove by my office. I or drove by my office or my work or whatever it is, and I was standing there with a colleague who saw the truck. Here's the name and address of the colleague who saw the truck. If the documentation piece of this is, if you're going to get law enforcement involved, is really really important. So there's step number one, and then step number two is to hopefully get them, and because these can be really dangerous situations, get them involved with some form of advocate. So, you know, um, going to a local shelter, uh, going to any local community advocacy work that's NGO or nonprofit based that has advocates that are willing to work with you on this. Um, So you start to document the behavior and then at some point you need to let whoever's doing this, if you have that opportunity, know in a very clear, easily understood way that you want no further contact from them in any way, shape, or form and you can list all of that. So those are the kind of the first two steps. And then from just a safety point of view, if you feel like you're being stalked, you know, you're in this place where you can't really get law enforcement involved, it's scary. Another thing that people need to be doing is, is read books like The Gift of Fear by Gavin Becker. I mean, start to be really aware of their surroundings, change their patterns um, so as much as possible. Um, just be more aware of safety, because like you said, you think that this young person that is now missing was being followed. Mm-hmm. So there's always that gap, Tyler, between being aware of the activity and being able to get some form of lawful protection. And then the next gap is to be able to prosecute it. So people, they need to be smart, they need to obey the laws, but they also need to take steps to be aware and to protect themselves and be proactive in their own safety.
2: So victims, don't be embarrassed. Don't think that it's your fault. A lot of victims feel, gee, maybe I said or did something. It's not their fault. It's the fault of the stalker. They need to get help. They need to let the police know or the prosecutors know so that we can get to this stalker before something worse happens.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Lost and Found. Today's episode dealt with a real and serious issue some might be facing today. So I'd like to share with you all some resources that I found. If you or someone you know has become a victim of stalking, call the Safe Horizon 24-hour hotline at 800-621-HOPE. That's 800-621-4673. Also, visit the Safe Horizon website at www.safehorizon.org For more information on how you can avoid stalkers and get on the path to a safer life. Again, thank you for listening. Make sure to check out all the sources in the description below and stay tuned. There is much more to come.